2: This
3: is the Tom Hartman program. Welcome back, Tom Hartman, here with you and the awesome Matt Boers' tune. K. Pete's post over at DU. Matt Boers is a cartoonist, and he's got a news reporter who has got a picture of the Covington uh, Catholic kid saying outrage online is a group of white kids in MAGA hats accost a Native American protester, just shameful. And then this white guy with a you know, a news reporter jumps in and says, hold on, a new two-hour video has emerged showing the kids are wholesome, were yelled at by black Israelites, and did not, I repeat, did not do a racism. And then this commentator says, well, that's weird, because they did mock the guy. And then he says, he came at them with a drum. Also, crazy blacks. And then the commentator comes back on and goes, whew, there was an initial rush to judgment there, but I think we got a white this time. I mean, this, this is pretty amazing. You've got this anti-abortion march. You've got the MAGA hat kids. You've got a woman on Twitter. It's probably on YouTube as well. You can easily find it who has posted a video. She and a girlfriend of hers were walking down the street. They walked past these MAGA Covington Catholic kids who were all standing by the side of the road or sitting on a platform of some kind. And they all started yelling, MAGA, MAGA, MAGA at these two girls, right? At these two young women. And they videotaped it with their phone, and they were like, oh, jeez, really? I mean, they're out there harassing young women and then, you know, doing tomahawk chops at a Native American elder and ridiculing him. Dave Holmes over at Esquire magazine, Esquire.com, has a very, very thoughtful piece. He says, I saw the smirk with my eyes but felt it in my gut. That's the headline for this piece. He's talking about the Covington Catholic kids. And he said, who approached whom is only relevant if one 64-year-old man with a single drum is more menacing than an entire gang of teenage boys. The kids are still cackling at an elder, still mocking him with war whoops. The behavior in its most generous interpretation is dishonorable. So it wouldn't have gone viral if we didn't all know this. We didn't all know this look. When one man gets in another man's face from about six or eight inches or 10 or 12 inches, That is aggression. We all know this. Come on. We're adults in this world. He says, we've seen it on the faces, this look that this kid had, on the faces of the white people intimidating black patrons at the Woolworth lunch counter, in the pictures of the freshly integrated high schools in Little Rock. Nate this morning was telling me he's got a book of pictures of lynchings, same look on the face of the white people watching people being lynched. So over an Esquire, Dave Holmes then moves to a little self-confession. He said, one reason this experience has been so uncomfortable is that many of us see ourselves in that face. There's no use pretending I don't. That face is me at that age, joining in the abuse of the gayest kid in class on the days when I managed to work my way to second gayest. It's me when I didn't stop the handful of my high school classmates from chanting, it's all right, it's okay, you're going to work for us someday, at the kids from a poorer high school when they were beating us at basketball. I've made that face. I've laughed at someone the way those kids laughed at Nathan Phillips, and I have the restless sleep to prove it. And then he gets into what I think is really the big issue here, and that is what lesson is Fox News and what lesson is the White House conveying to young white men in the United States by holding these kids up as victims, by essentially lionizing them. By Donald Trump saying, Yeah, come on now over to the White House. I mean, they're coming of age right now, during a time when, when essentially sadism, right, tearing families apart at the border, sticking three-year-olds in metal cages for what, four months now, has become the norm in the United States. Donald Trump has brought a degree of violence and hate and anger as you know primary primary starting points his his starting point is not compassion it's not intellect it's not thoughtfulness it's not concern it's not patriotism it's hate and has been apparently his entire life ever since he was back marking applications for housing in his daddy's buildings with c for colored people i mean th- this guy has lived his life in hate he has profited on hate his father was arrested at a Klan rally you know, we have a president who can't even condemn white Nazis. And what's the lesson that this kid is learning? The lesson that he's learning, I think, and not just Nicholas Sandman, but as well, all the other kids who were there and basically all the fundamentally racist white kids in America. I mean, he comes out of a very, you know, a community, Covington, Kentucky, Uh, Trump won by 30 points, more or less. There's uh, Southern Poverty Law Center. There's a whole bunch of white supremacist groups in the area. And the lesson that is being conveyed to these kids. I mean, you know, you had uh, ABC News sitting down with Sandman, giving him a national platform. You look at the number of people who started out as essentially just racist trolls, who are now personalities on Fox News, on YouTube, etc. And what this kid is being told is, yeah, you could be the next, you know, fill in the blank. You could be the next commentator on Fox News. You could be the next racist icon for America. This is just fine in this country. This is the message that's being communicated to these kids. Rather than, you know, hey, wait a minute. Is this how we treat each other? Regardless of how we were raised, regardless of the racist instincts, That many of us have i think the most important thing is not what's there but how we respond to what's there are we thoughtful about it do we look back on it and say holy crap did i say that did i do that this kid is getting none of that there's no introspection here at all there's no self examination there's no thoughtfulness he is being applauded for being a bully And the kids with him as well, with their war hoops and their tomahawk chops and all this racist crap. And the Trump administration and Fox News and right-wing hate radio and right-wing websites all across the Internet are quite literally celebrating this kid. Laura Ingram's Twitter feed says that Donald Trump is inviting them to the White House. I mean, it doesn't get much higher than that. Their family, this uh, Sandman's family, right off the bat, hired a PR firm that's tied to Mitch McConnell in Kentucky. And he's trying to portray himself as the poor victim here. Come on. We're not buying this. I'm not buying this. You're not buying this. So my question to you is, what lesson, how do we use this as a teaching moment, as an opportunity to share a lesson with our kids with ourselves, for that matter, you know, a call for introspection, a call for apology, a call for a moment of, oh, my God, to look at our own racism, to look at our own instincts, our our own upbringing, our own, you know, fill in the blank. And by the way, you know, I think this cuts across race, class and gender. None of us come into this world without biases. That's automatic. The question is, what do you do with them? Do you take your biases and amplify them? Do you take your biases and use them as weapons? I mean, that's what these kids are doing. Or do you challenge them? How do we do this? Where do we go from here? How do we push back most effectively when the president of the United States, after endorsing Nazis and killers in previous years, and calling for the death penalty for innocent young black men in New York City like 20, 30 years ago. I mean, this guy has a long history of this. What do we do with this? How do we wake people up in this country? Congressman Mark Pocan is with us. He's the co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, represents Wisconsin and the U.S. House of Representatives. His website, pocan.house.gov. You can tweet him at RepMarkPocan. Congressman, welcome back. Hey, Tom, thanks. So glad to be here. It is always super having you on. So the shutdown, it's interesting to watch these dueling narratives. The Republicans are trying as hard as they can to get the message out that this is all the Democrats' fault. And yet the Democrats passed legislation out of the House to open the government back up. And Mitch McConnell's refusing to hold a vote on it. I saw an interview this morning with a Democratic member of Congress on TV, and she was asked, you know, what are you guys in the House, you Democrats in the House Representatives doing? And she went into this long explanation and never once just simply said the bumper sticker, which is we've already passed legislation to open government and Mitch McConnell won't allow a vote on it because Donald Trump tells him not to. And it seems like every
4: Democrat needs to memorize that sentence. Yeah, Tom, you're exactly right. What I tell people back home is I think we've sent eight bills or so over. We're sending more uh over this week we're supposed to be in district this week and we're back in Washington trying to reopen all areas of government with a shorter extension and continuing resolution for homeland security so we can continue to have a conversation about border security without shutting down people's tax refunds and shutting down all the other areas of the federal government that are currently shut down and we keep doing that. But there's two people that are holding it up. Uh Mitch McConnell refuses to take any of the bills up in the Senate, even though almost all of them are identical to what they sent over unanimously in December to the House and the President, because the President, this is the first shutdown that the President has caused. Usually it's been Congress having a disagreement with the President. This is one where the President caused the shutdown, and now Mitch McConnell is tied at the hip on this. So you're exactly right. We are sending bill after bill after bill. To reopen the government it hurts the economy it hurts our federal employees and contractors and we need to do our adult job of opening up government and yet it's the republicans who simply refuse to
3: yeah it's pretty amazing james in bell california listening on kpfk you're on the air with congressman pokin
4: i'm really concerned that the message
5: isn't getting out and i think you need to think in terms of theatricality how about a counter for the number of times that you voted in the house for a clean bill to uh, end the government shutdown. So you a know, big electronic counter, and you stand in front of the counter, and you say, we voted to end the shutdown 10 times, 15 times, 20 times, and you just get that image out there of the number of times that you voted to end the shutdown. Get that on the video, on TV, get it on your literature, get it out there as much as you can. Even have your members of Congress running to McConnell's office. Here's the end of the government shutdown. We're bringing here the paper. We signed it. We're floating for it. Here it is. And you keep doing that every day, every day. And remember that the Republicans voted to end Obamacare. What is it? 40 times in the House. And, and they vote time after time after time. The same kind of stunt. And that got out there. So you got to get that message out there because people just are blaming you guys
4: as much as the Republicans. I think James
3: is brilliant, uh, Congressman.
4: Yeah, James. So actually, a lot of that is is happening. So I think we will hit this week double digits into how many times we've sent bills over. So that is adding to exactly what you're saying. Um, we did have a group of freshmen have gone over with Where's Mitch and went over to try to find him, and they can't find Senator McConnell. So that's also happening. And by the polling numbers, I can tell you, people are understanding this. Uh, I think it's no surprise that the last poll I read, 35 percent of the people blame the Democrats. Which is around the same number we constantly see who support Donald Trump. So, Fox News reports it differently. That contingent, that 35% of Donald Trump's base, is always going to uh, continue to blame us. I don't see that changing. But I do think we do have the upper hand on by sending a bill over and over and over back to the Senate to reopen government. Uh, that message is getting out. But I agree with you. Every way that we can reinforce that is exactly what we need to do. In fact, this week, we're actually outlining the specific money on border security because we're trying to highlight, you know, the president says drugs are coming across the border and yet, you know, ninety percent come to points of entry. We're putting money to ports of entry to a deal with what the president says he's trying to solve. So I think we're getting more specific in that message and we're gonna keep doing it.
3: Martina in Madison, Wisconsin.
4: Uh Mark, it's so good to hear your voice again. I'm one of your tribe,
6: District Two. So I personally believe it's time for us to be planning for a general strike. I think that we need to be contacting our affiliate groups. I think we need to be planning meals, because freedom begins with breakfast. You can't act intelligently on an empty stomach, really. So we need to be feeding one another and having food service and and food delivery and that kind of thing. We need to be planning meetings, general, open, documented, strategy-type meetings so that we can figure out what we're going to do. But we need to come up together as a unit and say, hey, enough already.
4: One of the things we're looking at is this bad provision that doesn't allow federal employees to strike. It ties their hands completely, and they're being forced to work for nothing. I don't think we ever anticipated we'd have a president who, one, was the first president to shut down the government, and two, that it would take it this far because they have no regard for the people who work for the government or the services they provide for the American people. So it is a unique situation. I completely agree with you, and thanks for calling from the district. Tom, yesterday I met with TSA workers and with air traffic controllers. And one of the things that we are trying to do is work very specifically, Martina, with the unions that represent these employees to make sure that we're not doing anything that damages the work that they're also doing. You know, it is the airlines are pitching and buying food for TSA workers. One of my air traffic controllers actually resigned over no guarantee on their job. How did the union tell me he just got rid of cable because he can't afford it anymore? Other people are selling cars for equity. So we've got to raise the game, and I think we have to do it on behalf of those people who are most impacted. But think we are looking at other ways to raise awareness, Martina, but also we're doing it in coordination with the people affected, because the last thing we want to do is do anything that would make their situations worse. But I do think just in law itself, we are not treating the people fairly that are being affected by this, who are the federal employees and the contractors and the ripple effects that are found from this.
7: You're listening to Tom Hartman
3: hey you know you're going to start hearing non-stop weight loss commercials everywhere and every time you do i want you to think about riduzone it's the only weight loss product i endorse and the one that worked for my wife louise wanted to lose a little weight last summer she read about university research and how one molecule helps regulate appetite riduzone is designed to boost levels of that one molecule and your metabolism too so you stop craving the wrong foods like too many holiday sweets and you burn calories faster With her appetite and cravings under control, she said losing weight was easy. She has more energy on her hikes, and she looks amazing. Listen, when diet and exercise aren't enough, get the only weight loss product I endorse, non-prescription, FDA-accepted Riduzone. While supplies last, use the promo code TOM, T-H-O-M, and receive 30% off a pack of three bottles plus free shipping. Go to Riduzone.com. That's ZONE.com. Riduzone.com. Use the promo code TOM com Marcia in Englewood, Florida, you're on the air with Congressman Polkian.
2: Hi, thanks, Tom, and hi again to you, Congressman. I think about El Chapo and how a wall never stopped him. All the ways that he came through over the, his decades of working, his criminal activities, nothing had to do with the wall.
4: That's an interesting point. Congressman. Yeah. We've been told by the federal agencies that also reporting to Donald Trump that over 90% of the drugs that come into the country come through ports of entry and other spots. They're not coming across the border. So that's, first of all, the first fact that's out there. Secondly, if you have steel slats, which is currently... I guess the newest uh, version of the wall uh, being proposed by the president, depending on the hour and the day. The idea that there's a flat means things can still go through, so that doesn't really solve their problem. So once again, it uh, doesn't seem to address it. They're not very credible. We need to point out the facts that everything that they claim they're going to stop with the wall isn't going to happen, which is why exactly we're fighting not to put money into something that's such a big waste of money. Obi
3: in La Crosse, Wisconsin. You're on the air with Congressman Tokyo.
1: Hi, Tom. Hi, Congressman. Trump promised to build a wall and that Mexico would pay for it. Here's something that I'm surprised that nobody has proposed. Create an escrow account. Call it the great, big, beautiful wall account. The only money for the wall comes out of that account. The only... Entity allowed to put money into that account is the government of Mexico. That would satisfy not only his promise of building a wall, but his promise of Mexico paying for it, which of course Mexico will never do. But if we create that escrow account, the only money for the wall comes out of that account. The only money that goes into that account comes from Mexico. How come that hasn't been proposed yet?
3: That could be spectacularly theatrical.
4: Yeah, what you're saying makes a lot of sense in that we're trying to. Point out that's one of the many points around this right that he said mexico gonna pay for it there's many many recordings of him saying that what he's now changed it though to is that because of his trade agreement is going to be so good that mexico is going to wind up paying for it but don't forget that trade agreement is still not passed by congress so it's not really an agreement that's actually enforceable but again that thirty five percent of his base don't care about any of these things because if he tweets Today, I think he's tweeting, Build the wall, crime will fall, is his new uh, slogan again, which makes no sense. Uh, they'll believe it. So, uh, you make a great point that, you know, promised uh, Mexico would pay for a wall. Uh, he's already backed off of that promise, just like he's backed off of a concrete slab. Now he's on steel slats. And I think the next thing uh, is, I've heard people talk about it's a metaphor. So, we need to, to prove that he's not serious about this. The second thing, though, I think it's really, really important. If we give in to this, we will have a hostage-taking for the rest of his two years if he's in office for two more years. So the next time it might be he wants to lift sanctions on Russia. The next one might be to stop the Mueller investigation, and he just simply has to stop government. So a lot of us are very concerned that that's another issue. We've got to be very serious about that. If you give in to any demand, you cannot allow hostage-taking. You're not going to like the next demand and the next demand and the next demand. This is my personal thoughts: is that once you start to negotiate with a hostage taker, they're going to continue to take hostages. So once you say, I'm going to make a really clever point by giving you your money for the wall, but you've got to do this, you've then voted to give money for a wall, and you've taught them that this behavior will be rewarded with negotiations for what they want. The problem is, even though I think this was originally done to change the conversation, you do this, what's the next time? He wants to lift sanctions on the Russians, so he shuts down the government. The next time, is he wants to end the Mueller report, what point do you wind up continuing to put your federal employees and contractors as hostages and telling the president this is an acceptable way of negotiation? So um, I am in the school of thought. We keep sending the bills that say we want to reopen the government. We put the pressure on the Senate Republicans to do just that. And uh, at the same time, uh, we don't allow this to be the new normal. Uh, we've already accepted too many levels of new normal with this White House. Uh, this is one line I don't think we should cross.
3: One of the things that we learned yesterday is, particularly when the FBI Agent Association, FBIAA.org, released that study about the damaging impact of Trump on the FBI. And then there was the report from the federal courts that as of Friday of this week, they're going to be basically shut down all the federal grand juries. Those two things seem to me would cripple the Mueller investigation. He's re- relying on the FBI for most of his investigations, and he's he's using a federal grand jury. Is this a backdoor way? Is Trump has Trump finally figured out a way to shut down the Mueller investigation?
4: Well, I don't think that was the intent originally, because I think he didn't think it would go this long. I think it's another you know unplanned Trump idea. But I do think the whole reason we have the debate was because he originally approved the bill that was coming from the Senate that came unanimously to the House to keep government funded, but he wanted to change the conversation from Michael Cohen uh, and him flipping and the Mueller investigation, which he's done a fairly good job. Now, thankfully, people like the former mayor of New York were on TV this weekend doing a spectacular job of misperforming, and that helped to highlight things again, but I do think that was the original intention, just to change the subject.
3: Kerry in Milwaukee. Wisconsin. Boy, you get a lot of Wisconsin callers today. You're on the air with Congress in Pocan.
2: Hey, I wanted to suggest that we create a constitutional amendment to prohibit pardoning the president, the vice president, the speaker of the house, the majority leader, anybody in Congress, anyone who holds up their hand and swears about of the Constitution should not be able to get
0: a pardon. I'll take your response off the air
4: interesting um idea terry i wonder if there's a constitutional question with that there could be but that's an interesting idea i think you know one of the things that we're seeing coming out of this is there is a damage to everyone right when right now there are people saying don't build a wall but reopen the government and that's a conflicting two arguments right now that's part of the problem that we're having and people are looking for ways to go after this and you know part of it is people saying don't take pay well many of us are not going to take pay in solidarity with employees but honestly don't let any member of congress get away telling you that they're sacrificing anything because it's a very different situation my air traffic controllers who are on their second check they're not getting are being billed for their vision and dental insurance right now we're not that's still covered So it it is not a parallel yet people are looking for the parallel how do you make you know sure that other people who are supposed to reopen government also feel the pain make them have town halls where i'm having one on saturday back in madison wisconsin we need people to make their representatives in their districts answer to why they 're not opening government, especially for Republicans uh, in the Senate and in the House Representatives. Well, I talked to uh, a union electrician in actually in two different states Iowa and. Minnesota but in Rochester Minnesota because you can no longer uh, many people in the trades travel for work uh to get a, a a job your travel expenses are no longer deductible your tool expenses are no longer deductible your union dues are no longer deductible uh, that hit alone uh, this electrician had his accountant run uh, last year's taxes on the new rules and he would have paid $3000 more in taxes because of it so a lot I mean of this year
3: as opposed to last year Exactly. Yeah.
4: So a lot of people are going to have some really bad surprises when they go to pay taxes this year.
3: Yeah. Uh, you wonder if uh, you know, just like the shutdown is shutting down the FBI and Mueller, is also shutting down the IRS? Is that helping the Republicans because people aren't figuring out that the GOP tax scam screwed them? Uh, it's it's just amazing. Yeah.
4: It's, 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 I, I think when people find this out, there's going to be a lot of people very irate.
3: Yeah. It's pretty shocking. Jason in Vancouver, Washington. You're on the air with I Congressman go, Coakend.
4: So I was calling because. Um,
6: I just seen a, a really good article, a um, video came out about a year ago from some scientists from Arizona and they came up with an idea. Basically it's a wind-powered uh, seawater pump to spray seawater on the Arctic uh, Ocean to, to make the ice thicker to rebuild the uh, um, Arctic uh, ice shelf. And it would take 500 billion for uh, 10% and 5 trillion for the whole thing. But um, and I know we got a lot of issues with Trump, and they got to handle something to get to another. But I think that the scientific community needs political support, even if the bill won't pass. And my uh, representative is a Republican, and I just, I just feel like if uh, if there was a bill that, that put money towards these scientists in Arizona to get these pumps out in the Arctic, because we're going to lose the Arctic, and oh, there's a consensus that if we lose the Arctic... We're, pushing we're closer to human extinction so that's just what i wanted to bring up
3: so congressman uh, geoengineering
4: yeah um jason I'll tell you, if i can let me take it just a thirty thousand foot level i just read an article also that uh people are talking about you really return to a, a wpa style work projects around um the, the the um environment and trying to reverse uh climate change and you know i think this is really where the idea came with the new green deal right how do we invest real resources, real brain power, real American spirit into trying to deal with climate change, because nothing has happened at least since 2010 in this area. And uh, we're at the point where we may be past the no return point on this. So whether it be that idea or others, I think people really have to put these things in front of mind.
3: Gray in Bellevue, Washington, listening on KBCS. You're on the air with Congressman Hocam.
1: Hi good morning, and thank you both for the great service that you do. You know the thing that frustrates me is clearly fox News is is a big part of uh, an enablement for for Trump and what i'd like to see and i don 't know if we do this through PSAs or, or simply somebody starts a GoFundMe page and generates a great bundle of money but but by thirty second spots a top dollar in the middle of Hannity with nothing more than Trump spouting his lies, showing the self-evident truth. There's no political message. There's just at the end of the spot, there's five letters, one word, truth, and let that run and see if we can start changing the mentality of his pathetic enablers. Love to hear yeah. your thoughts.
4: So, Ray, I, my, my gut reaction says I want to give Fox a, a nickel if I can help it. So I don't know if I want to pay top dollar uh, for ads on Fox for, quite honestly, people who are going to go back to the president's Twitter account to get their information anyway, or continue to get the misinformation they receive from Fox News. But I do understand the spirit of what you're saying, and you know I do think um, that there are ways we can still try to reach out to some of the folks. I do think a big chunk of that group is lost. I think uh, a major, the majority of the folks that are in his base are there because they are racist. Uh, the wall is about a racist concept of keeping uh, people with different skin color than than Caucasian away. And uh this is something you're not gonna ultimately change with commercials uh and in, in, in showing uh Trump's videos because I think those are out there on the social media, but these are people who inherently unfortunately are racist. So um I don't wanna give Fox money, but I appreciate your suggestion. How do we try to change the hearts and minds of those we can try to change that we can maybe move that thirty five percent to or or maybe 20. Yeah, Fox
3: has also also turned down ads like this uh, they did during the election campaign. They just said, you know, we're not going to run this kind of stuff. Um, Zach in North Hollywood, California, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan.
7: Regarding pardoning, uh, Ford pardoning Nixon, it was a pardon of a white-collar criminal. And we've been doing it ever since, especially starting since 2000, all the crimes that have been committed by the republican party you know every time we pardon a white-collar criminal we lose a footing on democracy and i think we've just let it go so far out of control where we need some patriotic judges and prosecutors that really begin to rebuild our footing on democracy otherwise these guys are going to control us if we don't put them in jail you know uh, what's your reaction
4: yeah, I, I you know, I agree. If 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 any of these folks that are involved uh with uh, the scandals in the White House are pardoned, uh, it would be for all the wrong reasons. It would be because Donald Trump's trying to protect himself and it does hurt democracy. It's another chip at democracy and we've had a lot of chips with this administration. So um I completely agree with your sentiment. I don't know if I have an answer about how you stop that from happening. I don't know if you could actually introduce legislation that limits the pardon powers that would actually one pass but two Constitutional, perhaps you'd pass that barrier. I'm not sure about the first, uh, but I certainly agree with your sentiment. And um, you know, at what point we'll see Republicans stand up? Uh, I think you know, as your guess, that is mine. Yeah, <laughs> Republicans stand up uh, for anything
3: other than uh, doing away with health care. You know, taking down Obamacare. It's a tough one. Tax just for wealthy people. Yeah, there you go. Well, they will stand up for wealthy people all day. Amen
6: drug cartels in the world drugs come in money goes out but this is not like any drug lord you've ever seen tonight wg america presents the new original series pure based on the true events of the mennonite mob you Pastor your are going to take down the entire mob all by yourself
7: i will die before i bring that poison into my community the series premiere of pure tonight at
6: 10 9 central only on wg america available on dish direct tv or check your local cable listings
3: Norma, in Woodbridge, Illinois, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Thanks for listening to Chicago's Progressive Talk.
2: Hi, Congressman Pocan. Hi, Tom. Hey, Norma. My concern is the fact that Trump has just overtaken all the areas of government. And I'm concerned. I don't understand why the military can't just remove him i mean he's a russian asset they already know that he's committed treason he's done all these things and uh... waiting on Mueller, i'm not sure whether or not that's going to uh... help Uh, i think something different something radical has to be done to remove him he has to be removed because it's not going to get any better under him. We can we see how he's deteriorating the government, how he's disassembling it. It's terrible. Um I'm really concerned uh and and, and about his racist policies because he's opened it up where uh uh people can just do anything to people of color. And I I've always felt bad about Heather Heyer and her death in Charlottesville. Um uh, he needs to be removed. He needs to go.
4: Yeah, so Norma, I am uh, very empathetic to all the concerns that you have. I I share the same concerns what he's doing to our country, uh, to democracy itself. The problem is, uh, you know, a military coup is not an answer. Um that would further make us, I think, uh, fall into third world sort of uh, measuring standards as a nation. And, uh, you know, we ha- we have rule of law, so we have to uh, follow the processes that we have uh, to make sure that uh, we can, um, if we need to, uh, which I think we're going to have to, uh, replace this president. So um, we're going to have to follow the rule of law. I totally agree with your sentiments. This is, I think, very damaging to our country, and, uh, uh, you know, there's a huge price that we're all going to pay for this. Um, but we've got to follow law, and hopefully now with Democrats there in more hearings, Jerry Nadler is now going looking at people's security clearances. Next week, I hear there may be a hearing starting uh, looking at the president's tax returns in ways and means. All these hearings are going to be pieces of what uh, may very likely lead to uh, what you're looking for. So it's not like nothing will happen. In the meantime, it's just I don't think you're going to see one giant hearing on impeachment open up and all subjects and matters come in. You're going to see different committees taking up different parts of looking at the corruption in this White House. And out of that, uh, something else will come out of it, hopefully bigger and stronger. But you're you're going to have hearings. And I don't want you to think that nothing is happening. In fact, just the opposite. Many, many things are starting to happen until literally this morning we approved the final, I think, members going to committees. We weren't completely organized, and now I think we have that so we can start having committees meet and take on these responsibilities.
3: Last minute. Gail, do you have a a real quick question for Congressman Pocan? Gail in Antelope,
2: California. Yes,
0: Yes, I do. Thank you for taking my call. Congressman Pocan, I'd like to know. Basically under the constitution there's a clause that allows you to remove a basically mentally incompetent or deranged president. Amendment. I'm wondering if that wouldn't be a better avenue rather
2: than to try impeachment because basically Trump is crazy. I mean, he's basically a psychopathic <laughs> narcissist. So yeah, and I yet, mean, what and you, yet gonna, you can't and reason Graham, with him. So, so you
4: can gonna... talk about him as if uh, you know, it's his um his idol, right? I so the, the problem is you and I I think agree on that, but we've got to get others to agree. Uh, to get to the point this is a cabinet uh, having to agree that he's appointed. So I think that might be even a tougher uh, barrier to get across than impeachment.
3: So, Congressman, in the last 20, 20 seconds here, what should we be looking for this next week, and what should we be doing?
4: So I think uh, it's all about still the shutdown. Can we get reopen the government? What's the president's newest uh, demand uh, with the hostages? The president has not been initiating conversation. We are having them with Republicans individually and trying to Figure out how we get out of this. The problem is Mitch McConnell really is sitting with the hand and not other Republicans. And As long as he's more worried about his 2020 primary uh, than he is the country, uh, he's going to continue to uh, acquiesce to the president who um, cannot figure out exactly what he's doing on this. And, and he's waiting for a State of the Union next week to try to make some big speech and do something big. My guess uh, of where he's at right now. So, we're sending bills. We're trying to put the pressure on the Senate to take them up. I think that's the most aggressive uh, measure officially you can do. We've got members going to the Senate. We're trying to do things like that. I agree with you. The more we can get theatrical to reinforce the point, I think that's a really good idea. Uh, we're having some discussions right now for the State of the Union as a progressive caucus what to do. And I think we're going to do just what you're recommending. Um, but uh, unfortunately, the president, you know. Uh, well, I think one of the recent meetings he had, remember, it was a fake meeting. As soon as Nancy said uh, that she wasn't going to just give him everything he wanted, he finished the meeting. Um, you know, he's behaving in a way that makes it very hard to negotiate. And uh, that's why we're trying to put the pressure right now on the Republicans in the Senate and in Congress. Yeah. Uh, I think look at whether or not next week we have a State of the Union. You're going to have a State of the Union, whether or not it's in the House of Representatives. Uh, or it's going to be in a state legislature, or, or for that matter, in the back of a, a van with this president. Who knows? Those are a couple things coming up.
0: Yeah.
3: It would, be, it would be fascinating to see him do a State of the Union from the back of a van.
4: <laughs> Down by the river, right? <laughs> yeah, <there you>
3: <laughs> <go>. <laughs> Congressman Mark Pocan, thank you, sir. Thank you. Appreciate it, as always. Great talking with you. The Congressman Pocan's website is pocan.house.gov, and you can tweet him at RepMarkPocan. Hey, we have a whole bunch of special content just for our Patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash Tom Hartman, uh, T-H-O-M Hartman with two N's. It includes uh, you know, the entire three hours of our program every day. The whole, the, the entire program is available there that you can watch. And also we regularly put up new rants. The one I just did is about the Supreme Court. How did we get here, right? I mean, how did we end up with, with a bunch of crazy right wingers on the court? And what can we do about it? There actually are ways that we can address this problem of the corruption of the Supreme Court. So check it out, patreon.com slash Tom Hartman. Let's check in with talk media news and find out what's going on in the world today. This report brought to you by goatsfortheogoat.com and loving what you do. Ellen Ratner's new book and on the line with us is Ellen Ratner herself. Hey, Ellen.
0: Well, thank you so much. So Eric Garcetti, who's the mayor of LA, is now taking credit for ending the teacher strike. He says the union knows him and trusts him, and therefore he was able to bring them to the table. Now I don't know whether that's true or not, but that's what he's saying. Well, that's
3: a good thing. And Eric Garcetti, generally speaking, is a pretty good guy. So
0: yeah, he is a pretty good guy. So we'll see what happens and if he's absolutely correct. Now there's also supposed to be a, a Poland a conference in Poland on the Middle East. going to happen on february thirteenth and 14th, and the issue is is they said that iran was not invited and it's not focused on iran and also russia is not going to go so i don't know what's going to happen with this middle east conference but poland is uh, is hosting it and we'll see what happens it's supposed to be on what is going to make peace in the middle east mm. also there are two government funding bills that are going to happen on thursday one which would fund the wall the other which would be a continuing resolution for three weeks uh, a democratic colin peterson from uh... uh minnesota said well we're going to have a wall anyway so why not actually do it
3: yeah, there's, now, there's been two or three Democrats who've been basically willing to waffle on this. And for some reason, Politico and some other, uh, The Hill, some of these other venues, are, are treating them as if they speak for the Democratic Party. They are extreme outliers. I'm not, I, yeah, I don't understand why they're even being Minnesota,
0: covered. because Minnesota, you know, is not, a, particularly because it's next to North Dakota for a large part, so a lot of these guys are not left-wingers at all. They're right-wingers in left-wingers clothing.
3: Right, apparently. Apparently, what else is up?
0: <laughs> okay, there's a lot going on. Um, the president yesterday said there was no need for White House briefing. Uh, today, actually, there was a phone briefing, uh, but uh, it was happening at the same time I'm on with you, so I couldn't participate. But the fact is, is that uh, you know, I mean, uh, the president said we're not very nice to the uh, the press secretary. Well, we weren't very nice when the Clinton Monica Lewinsky thing happened either.
3: Right, I no, mean, not being nice American to press secretaries is kind of the is kind of the job description of White House reporters, isn't it?
0: Exactly, and the fact is, you're t- there to ask tough questions that are there for the American people to see.
3: Yeah, look at how many times you know uh, the the White House is going all the way back to I think Eisenhower, maybe Kennedy, got P.O.'d with Helen Thomas, for example. Oh,
0: absolutely,
3: your and old Helen friend, or covered
0: from from Roosevelt.
3: Yeah. Ah. Yeah.
0: Okay. The IRS workers might actually skip work, and that means that tax refunds won't happen. They've been given permission by some to skip work uh, because they're not getting paid, and they have to figure out ways that they're going to feed their families. Mm-hmm. And people are using uh, soup kitchens. I mean, it's just crazy what's going on.
3: Yeah, they're arresting people outside Mitch McConnell's office right now.
0: <sighs> Give me a break. Okay, yeah. and there was just a, 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 a actually a poll done. 46% of Americans regard the shutdown as a crisis.
3: Yeah, I, well, I think it clearly is. And, and you know, uh, the, the two pieces of the crisis that Trump seems most happy about is that on Friday, federal grand juries cease to exist. That's uh, the Mueller investigation. And as of right now, the FBI has radically had to cut back their operations. That's the Mueller investigation. I think Trump is licking his chops
0: oh I think he is too I think he's and not only that you have Republicans who are saying hey look we can get along with government so let's cut down on the government
3: oh yeah the libertarian billionaires are loving this proof of concept
0: right. okay now it's very interesting Vice President Pence put out this morning and this is what there is a White House uh, briefing about as we're speaking uh, that uh, Madero of Venezuela is a dictator and that the National Assembly president uh, is the legitimate president, uh, and he's a 35 year old industrial engineer. Now, I don't know much about Venezuela. I've been there, but I haven't been there recently. But I can tell you this is a major problem in the United States as to what we're going to do with Venezuela.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Trump apparently has recognized now the opposition leader as, as opposed to the president as the right right leader, yeah. It's
0: the amazing. National Assembly president.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible.
0: Now, the president also sent a letter to Speaker Pelosi, uh, and this was very interesting, saying basically, you invited me, you said that there were some concerns about security, there aren't any more uh, concerns about security, so we are going to actually do the, uh, the State of the Union on the 29th. Now, that's very interesting, because, of course, who knows what's going to happen? With
3: well, them. not only that, he, the uh, Nancy Pelosi blocked the, the Trump advance team from coming over and doing a walkthrough of the house, house chambers.
0: Right. But apparently they're going to do it anyway.
3: Yeah. Well, we'll see.
0: Absolutely.
3: It's going to be <laughs> real interesting.
0: Timothy and I have a bet as to whether they're in fact going to really have the, the State of the Union on the 29th. Now, I have done so many of these State of the Unions, and you can pretty much predict if it's a Democratic president, then the Republicans are going to say, oh, they did a terrible job, a terrible job, and the Democrats are going to say they're going to do a good job, but he's done a good job and vice-versa, and that's what's going to happen this year as well.
3: Yeah, next Tuesday is uh, is the day that we're all looking at here. Right, the 29th. Yep. You got it. There you go. Ellen Ratner with Talk Media News, brought to you by Goatsfortheoldgoat.com and Loving What You Do, Ellen's new book. Thank you, Ellen. Thank you. Always great talking with you talking about the decline in stock values over the last few months if you've been listening to lynette zhang's youtube show you probably aren't surprised by the fall her fact-based research on markets currencies and economics is second to none and her presentations have pointed to most every major downfall we've recently seen in the U.S. economy. Her video titled, Just Before the Crash, showed people the exact patterns to look out for and now has over 210,000 views and counting. Lynette Zhang has been on my show and works with my friends at ITM Trading. I highly recommend looking them up as they are pioneers in creating wealth protection strategies with gold and silver. If you're a strategic investor looking to protect your wealth or just hedge against the most volatile markets since 2007, then call my friends at ITM Trading at one own gold Ask for their free gold protection guide and join the top 1% who are now accumulating very specific types, dates, and qualities of physical gold and silver. Call one own gold That's 1-888-O-W-N-G-O-L-D. Our book today is The Edge of Anarchy by Jack Kelly, the subtitle, The Railroad Barons, The Gilded Age, and The Greatest Labor Uprising in America. This is from Chapter 2. On Friday, June 9th, 1893, a month after the opening of the Great Fair in Chicago, George Pullman and his friend the mustachioed retailer Marshall Field sat down to dinner with 200 men in the ballroom of the Aberdeen Hotel in St. Paul, Minnesota. At the head of the room, a model train fashioned from flowers stretched across a table. The tracks, wheels, and cowcatcher glistened with tinfoil. A newspaper reporter referred to the assembled guests as the big guns of the West, railroad tycoons, governors, bankers, the tireless strivers of industrial America. In addition to Pullman and Field, they included grocery wholesaler Franklin McVie, flour miller Charles Pillsbury, Pillsbury, South Dakota Senator Richard Pettigrew, and many prominent railroad men, including John Egan, who had held high positions with the Canadian Pacific and the St. Paul, Minneapolis, and Manitoba lines. The men had come to celebrate the official opening of the Great Northern Railway, whose main line began in St. Paul and now ran all the way to Puget Sound in Washington. Local merchants were confident that the road would make their city a hub for the immense resources of the Northwest, including wheat, lumber, cattle, apples, copper, and iron ore. They had come to honor one of their own, a big-shouldered, one-eyed man with a full beard and a shaggy fringe of graying hair around his balding scalp. He was the proprietor of the Great Northern, the man known as the Empire Builder, James Jerome Hill. After a meal served by liveried waiters, a Toastmaster predicted that future scholars reviewing the progress of humanity from the peak of the 21st century would stand in awe when they contemplated the 1890s, this wonderful age of iron and electricity. Big Jim Hill then rose to assure his guests that the present era was as promising as any time in the past 10 years. Thunderous applause and the waving of 200 handkerchiefs signaled the big guns' approval. In fact, Hill had completed his railroad in the midst of an economic crisis of bewildering proportions. One of his main Wall Street backers, J. Kennedy Todd, was too busy coping with the economic catastrophe to attend. A colleague reported to Hill that Todd has been peeing down his leg for the last month. Businessmen and speculators across the country had reason for high anxiety. Four days after the Great Fair opened in Chicago, the bottom had dropped out of the U.S. economy. One of the first affected was Stephen Van Cullen White, Wall Street's most daring speculator. Known as Deacon White for his somber dress, he had invested heavily in shares of the National Cordage Company. Managers of that rope manufacturer had gobbled up competing firms and tried to corner the market in hemp imports. It was one of the many business trusts of the day, legal conglomerations of companies that allowed investors to exercise virtual monopoly control over industries like sugar, lead, and whiskey. Cordage was the very definition of a high flyer. During February 1893, the stock was selling for $75 a share. In April, corporate management Managers made investors smile with a generous 12% cash dividend. Then the firm began to wobble. Rumors reached traders' sensitive ears. Cordage shares dropped precipitously. By the beginning of May, they could be had for less than $19. On Thursday, May 4th, Cordage failed. Deacon White's brokerage company went down with it, along with two other prominent Wall Street firms. Others scrambled to snatch up bargains. The stock exchange erupted. The floor might have passed for a morning in bedlam, an observer noted. All day, brokers swung from wildest excitement to lulls when they seemed to sink into apathy. Then, hearing a rumor, spotting an opportunity, fearing the worst, they again sprang into frenzy, pushing their fellows out of the way to grab at a trade. Gossip hissed incessantly across the floor. The sugar trust was going to rescue the market. Vanderbilt money would be arriving soon. Shares that had been prostrated at least climbed back to their knees. The most remarkable day Wall Street has had in 20 years, the New York Times declared. Comparisons of the trading floor to a madhouse and descriptions of wild scenes were everywhere. Like Bedlamites, the brokers, now sure that the worst was over, broke into raucous cheers at the closing bell. Some, no doubt, were simply relieved that the pressure was off, at least until Monday. One broker said it was the worst day he'd ever seen. While there may be a God in Israel, he stated, we need him on Wall Street. Forced optimism prevailed during the weekend. The panic might have been a blip, but traders would wait in vain for Jehovah to visit the stock exchange. May 5th was only the beginning. On Tuesday, May 9th, the Chemical Bank of Chicago failed, leaving the depositors dumbfounded. Two days later, Columbia National Bank, an affiliate of chemical that had been established on the fairgrounds, also declared itself insolvent. Gone were the deposits of many of the exhibitors. Fair officials rushed to George Pullman and several other wealthy Chicagoans and begged them to put their fingers in the dikes in the dike. Their guarantees headed off an even more disastrous ruin. The causes of the national calamity were complex and ultimately mysterious. Economists who had recently foreseen the steady development of a prosperous period now looked backward and detected warning signs galore. Construction had been in decline all year. Consumption of everything from cotton to rubber to coal had been dropping. Cycles of overproduction and bad harvests had ravaged farmers. Democrats traced the cause back to the Republicans, who had held power during the past four years. Their economic sins, it was said, were legion. Nervous European banks and governments were now rushing to redeem American notes for gold. The Edge of Anarchy by Jack Kelly. This is the Tom Hartman Programme fair and only slightly unbalanced. Tom Hartman here with you, speaking the truth to the multinational corporations. really around that you didn't know about. Hey, we have a whole bunch of special content just for our Patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash Tom Hartman, uh, T-H-O-M, Hartman with two N's. It includes uh, you know, the entire three hours of our program every day. The whole, the, the entire program is available there that you can watch and also, we regularly put up new rants. The one I just did is about the Supreme Court. It's based in part on my book, on equal Protection, and based in part on a book I'm writing, I'm working on right now in the Supreme Court, and in part just, you know, what, what I know and you need to know about how the Supreme Court got as badly corrupted as it is. How did we get here, right? I mean, how did we end up with, with a bunch of crazy right-wingers on the court, And what can we do about it? There actually are ways that we can address this problem of the corruption of the Supreme Court. So check it out, patreon.com slash Tom Hartman. Jerry in Danville, Virginia. Hey, Jerry, what's on your mind
7: today? Hey, Tom. It's great to talk to you. I love everything you do, buddy. Thank you. The thing I was calling about, I think you may have already answered. I had heard you say about a year or so ago to not go for the health plans. That, um, the, You're talking
3: Medicare Advantage, the privatized Medicare? Yeah, I think that, privatized yeah, Medicare. you were
7: saying, I'm trying to think of the name of the outfit that tries to get everybody over 50 to get involved. Yeah, it's
3: AARP. And they, they are.
7: Yeah. And you were saying don't go for, is that what they try to push on people with Medicare Advantage?
3: Yeah, AARP makes most of their money selling Medicare Advantage health insurance policies on behalf of United Healthcare. And United Healthcare, which has paid its CEO, Stephen J. Hemsley, over a billion dollars and paid their previous CEO, Dollar Bill McGuire, over $1.6 billion. United Healthcare makes their money on Medicare Advantage. And Medicare Advantage is basically a program where you pay the insurance company and the federal government pays the insurance company. They're guaranteed not to lose money. They simply pass their bills through to the federal government. But it's not actually Medicare. It's a privatized program where the health insurance company is guaranteed a profit. And right now, about one out of four, one out of five people on Medicare are actually on Medicare Advantage. They have bought into the privatized system. Every single one of those people on Medicare Advantage is helping to rapidly drain the revenues of the Medicare system overall. And this is how the private insurance companies can offer Medicare Advantage programs that look like the they're better than regular Medicare, and, and some of them are. They offer vision, they offer dental, at least in a fairly limited way, or hearing, things like that. The problem is, because it's private health insurance, you're limited to particular accepted medical practices. So if you're out of your area and you have to get something done, or if you need a specialist that's not in their package, then you get screwed too. But generally speaking, you know, it can be a good deal for people. The problem is that I simply won't do it because I don't want to be feeding United Healthcare and I don't want to be speeding up the demise of Medicare itself. But I'm not going to condemn anybody who does. I'm just saying that's the actual situation. This is part of the Republican plan to privatize Medicare. And they're about 20, 25% of the way there.
7: And one thing I want to mention to you—I don't know if anybody knows it—but Lanny Davis was on Ari Melbourne, mm-hmm. and he was saying that Michael Cohen may not testify on the seventh because of that tweet that Trump put out about his father-in-law.
3: Because Trump and is he threatening says,
7: Scott, him, got Michael Cohen all shook up.
3: Yeah, nice little family you got there. Be a shame if anything happened to your father-in-law. I mean, if somebody doesn't think that Trump is a mob boss, just look at that damn tweet. I mean, and by the way, that is obstruction of justice. Threatening a witness, witness intimidation. What else could you call that?
7: I know, and it would be horrible if he can't testify. I heard somebody say that it might be as many people as watch a Super Bowl would watch his testimony.
3: Yeah, I think so. You know? And Trump is going to do everything he can to prevent that from happening. I mean, this is the guy who was inside the whole thing. This is the guy that Trump explicitly told go lie to Congress. And Michael Cohen apparently has the tape of Trump saying it. And yeah, you know, plus there's emails and other documents, and this is a appearing to also involve this whole conspiracy to build a Trump Tower in Moscow during the election. Let's keep in mind what this is all about. This was all about Donald Trump while he was running for president, fully expecting that he wouldn't win, thinking that as soon as the election is over and I'm not the winner, I'll be able to build my 100-story Trump Tower in Moscow. So let's work this thing out with Putin and with, and with Russia and yeah. they were actually doing this while he's running for president. I mean, this is insane. This is this is this is treason. Andy in uh, Belmont, Michigan, listening to WPRR. Hey Andy, what's on your mind today?
0: Hey, uh just want to give
1: people a little uh, acknowledgement here, I, For a 40-hour paycheck I'm paying in $7 and 50 cents for my Medicare, you know? And you know how much I'm paying for a month I'm paying 450 just to have the privilege of paying $5,000 deductible. I would You're talking it. for
3: your regular health insurance.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and why not get Medicare for all? If I'm paying $7 for Medicare for when I get older, for like, let's say, 65, you know, for health care for a week, that's ridiculous.
3: Yeah, no, and. But here's the thing, Andy that $7 that you're paying into Medicare right now, if we went to Medicare for all, that would become probably somewhere in the neighborhood of $200. But that $200 would replace the $450 that you're paying for the 5,000 deductible commercial for profit medical plan. So it ends up being cheaper for all of us, it ends up being cheaper for the Country, the only people who get hurt, as it were, in quotes, are people like Stephen J. Hemsley, who's already taken a billion dollars out of our health care system by running United Healthcare. And you know, yeah, spot on, Andy. Yeah, well said. I yep. Have a good one. Thanks, YouTube. Erwin in Missoula, Montana. Hey, Irwin, what's up?
1: Oh uh, yes, Tom. I want to talk a little bit about narcissism and presidencies. About mm-hmm. five years ago, Emory University did a study. This was before Trump and. Before Barack Obama was rated, and they rated uh, they rated Lyndon B. Johnson as the top as far as being narcissist, being grandiose narcissist, and right after him was Teddy Roosevelt. In fact, both Roosevelts were in the top
3: ten, as was Nixon. Dil- yeah, that was that measurement of brazenness that I was talking about last week. That is generally regarded right. as. It can be a characteristic of sociopaths. It's also a characteristic of great leaders. It's what Churchill had. It's what Stalin had, for that matter. Terrible leaders as well, you know, Hitler. And the problem is, if you combine brazenness with a high moral core, as you did with Franklin Roosevelt and, to some extent, Lyndon Johnson or Jack Kennedy, then you have great leadership. If you combine brazenness with a vacuous, with no moral core, then what you have is a tyrant, basically. Right, yeah, and this study also did what
1: was called, well, it was actually introverted type narcissism too, and and right. the disorder itself. And interesting enough, like Jimmy Carter and George Washington were right in the middle, and Abraham Lincoln and Jefferson were were down the scale. It's interesting to look at. Yeah, yeah, it, ab- it absolutely
3: is, erwin It absolutely is. Thanks a yeah. lot for the call. Jim in Fort Worth, Texas. Hey, Jim, what's on your mind today?
1: Hey, Tom, how are you? It's been a long time. Thank you. Uh, real quick, I have there are a couple conditions I think that the Democrats should be going after instead of the DACA. Condition one, Trump releases at least five years of personal tax return. Condition two, he agrees to the Mueller interview. Both of these he's already agreed to, so he has to explain why. Yeah, you, Jim,
3: Jim, you're saying in exchange for giving him his wall, these are the things the Democrats should ask for? Yes, that's part of it. Yes. But but you know, if a guy has robbed a bank and he's holding five or six bank employees hostage, um, you know, you don't say, uh, okay, uh, you know, we'll we'll take you as far as Fort Worth. I mean, you, you don't give in. You just say, no, I, we don't I negotiate with, with hostage. Go ahead. I agree with
1: you. Let me give condition three. He agrees to back pay her con- contract workers. It's condition four that becomes relevant. He, uh, instead of getting the border wall, you give him money for border security, say, $5.5 billion.
3: But well, it's, the, the Democrats it's are offering over a billion for border security right now. In fact, they passed that, and right. in the, in, 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 uh, the Republicans, for that matter, passed it. It was passed unanimously at the Senate on December 19th. I understand. And a year but ago, the Democrats gave him $1.2 billion for border security. and He's only spent less than 10% of it. I understand that, too. But instead of letting him
1: spend it, it has to be done through a commission set up of the affected Congress people. Along the border, whose areas are affected? Yeah. So, let the republican I, I get, I get
3: everything you're saying, Jim, and I would say that these, this is a great list for after the government is open again. But I, I just don't think you negotiate with terrorists. You, you know, you don't negotiate with hostage takers, and that's exactly what Stephen Miller, Mike Pence, and Donald Trump have become. They've become hostage takers. They've got 800,000 hostages, and just like he's saying to Michael Cohen, "Hey, nice little family you got there. Be a terrible thing if anything happened to your father-in-law or your wife." Uh, He's saying the same thing to 800,000 federal employees. You know, a nice little family you got there. Be a shame if you got kicked out of your house or couldn't pay for your health care. This is just so wrong. Thanks so much for being with us today. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. In the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires you. Get out there, get active, tag your end. We'll see you tomorrow.
7: You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit tomhartman.com.